it's our job as marketers and communicators to really thread the needle of what's possible and then clearly lay out what the expectations and what the trade-offs are to best achieve the goals that I've heard. guys, welcome back to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, president at Blast Media, and I will be both your host and bartender today. Well, I'm joined by Nikki Parker. She's the SVP at Insight Partners. Most of you likely have heard of or potentially worked with Insight Partners. They are a scale-up VC behind many incredible SaaS companies, including Shopify, DocuSign, and Monday.com. Nikki's joining me today to talk about something that is likely going to be of interest to most of you who have either undergone many funding rounds with VCs in your later stage or for those of you who are embarking on your first raise. We're talking about funding milestones throughout the scale-up journey, the impact of those funding announcements, so what are the realistic expectations when it comes to PR and results, and what's important to your VC versus your CEO during this time. So a lot to unpack. Nikki is one of my favorite people. We have very similar PR philosophies, so I cannot wait to unpack this with her. So grab yourself a drink and join me as I chat with Nikki Parker, Senior Vice President at Insight Partners. Hey, Nikki, welcome to SAS Half Full. Where are you sitting today? I am sitting in Chelsea, Manhattan on a very humid and hot early summer's day. Love it. We have hit summer here in Indianapolis. Thankfully, we sort of skipped over spring as we usually do. But are you joining me for a drink today? I definitely am. I'm Australian. Don't tempt me with a good cocktail. I am so excited. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I end up drinking alone on this show. Even if my guests are not, I stay true to the process. What are you drinking today? I am drinking, you know what, I actually don't know, but I'm a vodka girl. And so my cocktail has this wonderful aromatic tonic water with a rose water uh, syrup. And then we also have a citrus green tea grapefruit syrup. Wow, that is way fancier than mine. I am doing a vodka soda with lemon, which is pretty much my my go-to drink at all times. I'm at the office today, so I also had to make do with what we had. And luckily, we keep vodka stocked here, so I was all good. That's my kind of office. Today, Nikki and I are are talking about a few things. Uh, but what we're going to focus on are funding milestones throughout the scale-up journey how to maximize the impact of those moments, and also what's important to your VC versus CEO during this time. Nikki has a a lot of experience from which to draw as a SVP at Insight Partners. But Nikki, before we dive into that, I want to make sure that our listeners get a good sense of who you are, your role, etc. So if you could give us just a quick rundown of who Insight Partners is and your role with the firm, that'd be awesome. Insight Partners is a global software investor, and we invest in software scale-ups. So scale-ups are companies that are past the product market fit phase and are ready to enter that really challenging scaling up journey. And so from our perspective, we do Series A checks, and then we do pre-IPO checks, and then we work alongside the software companies to make sure that they're supported with both capital, but also operational support. Because you know what? Scaling up is really, really hard. And 
it, we say it takes an army and we like to bring in the, the cavalry to really make sure that our software companies inside the portfolio are able to be successful. Very cool. And what is your role within the company? So at Inside, I lead our marketing communications and community group. So that involves kind of talking to the world about who Inside Partners is. It also means supporting our portfolio companies with all of their communications announcements and also developing a really, really strong community. So something really cool about Insight is we have invested in over 400 software companies. We currently have probably about 220, 230 uh, of the world's best software executives and teams within our portfolio. So I have a program that we run to make sure that they are connected, that we're all learning from each other, and that we're able to leverage all of the benchmarks and best practices from other companies in the software sector that have done it to date. The awesome thing about Nikki that I'm excited about is that she has seen many funding announcements go wrong, many go right, worked with some just fucking terrible agencies, worked with some great ones. And so she has this roundtable of perspective that we can pull from today. So you've seen a lot, Nikki, and I I definitely want to get to some good stories (laughs) and some bad stories. But talk us through, typically in your capacity, are you most often dealing with the CMO versus the CEO when it comes to these funding announcements and what is preferred? You know, it's both. And when I mentioned we invest in scale-ups, uh, scale-ups can be all different shapes and sizes. So sometimes at an earlier stage company, uh, the CEO is really hands-on and involved in the marketing side of the business. And so we might be working with both the CEO and the CMO or their head of communications. On some of our larger companies that have more fully-fledged machines, we might be working alongside the communications department. Uh, look, both are great, but I think the most important thing is that when we're dealing with any sort of PR announcement or indeed any marketing program, it's really important that you have full executive buy-in. And that means your CEO, it also means your CMO, but it also means other C-level leaders in the organization, such as your CRO, your CTO, your head of product. And the reason that it's really important to make sure that you have the business's vision represented in any announcement is because at the end of the day, Marketing is just the manifestation of business goals. And I think that's something that's really important to constantly remind ourselves about when we're either developing a communications program or a marketing campaign is what is the business goal? And then how am I going to leverage the tactics of marketing to allow myself and my team to achieve that goal? So sometimes, for example, with funding announcements, which is just one scale-up milestone that we navigate, the business goal might be hiring. This is our chance we've got. We're now well-capitalized, and I really want to leverage this to get in front of potential recruits. So that would actually change our approach to how we navigate the funding announcement. It would change the language that we put into the press release. It might change the location of reporters that we're going after or indeed the outlets because we would be targeting, for example, more tech-focused outlets because we really need to build our engineering team. So I find that the most successful funding announcements or scale-up announcements are ones that are really backed and driven by the business goals. We say this a lot to our clients is that the the release is really the what, but it doesn't tell the why. And we have to understand the why first 
before we even create the what. And also the why is the story. That's how you get the actual stories surrounding, whether it's a funding announcement or otherwise, is the the announcement itself is the statement of facts, but it doesn't tell a story. So what is that story and what's behind it? So you and I are in complete agreement on that. Do you have many situations where there isn't alignment between potentially a CMO and a CEO of portfolio companies? And if so, what do you do in those situations? I don't think there's often misalignment on their side, but there might be a little bit of misalignment with reality. I think that expectation management is a key part of a marketer's job. I often say that marketing has a marketing problem because we need to spend a lot of time educating our internal stakeholders. And I treat the portfolio companies in the exact same way. So I'll often start with, you know, tell me all of your goals. And some of those are I actually want to announce tomorrow or I need to. And I'll be like, okay, so if the key goal and the key priority is to announce tomorrow, here is what you're going to expect from that probably very little media coverage because we wouldn't have had time to work with media, probably a really light or surface level announcement and release. But if your goal is timing, then here's what the outcome is going to be. So what I find most is when I get a, an executive leadership team into a conversation, there's often 9, 10, 11, 15 different goals or expectations. And so it's our job as marketers and communicators to really thread the needle of what's possible, and then clearly lay out what the expectations and what the trade-offs are to best achieve the goals that I've heard. What do you find are really the the keys to success when it comes to, to making a funding announcement? Because there are funding announcements every hour of every day. You have expectation setting. And one of the things I think CEOs and CMOs get wrong about funding announcement is making the assumption that people are going to care. So if we're talking about truly making a public announcement to the media, what do you think are critical components of success? I think that there's two ways to think about any announcement. There is a corporate communications strategy, and then there's a media relations strategy. Underneath that, there's also your internal communications, your community building, but we'll focus on those two to start. And if we think about corporate communications, corporate communications is building the breadcrumbs and the track record and the history of your business as you grow. And that's a really important strategy because in three, four, five years time, when you're looking back historically at where you've come from, you have a series of whether it be press releases or corporate statements, or it might be letters from a chairman or letters from a CEO that are, that are outlining and documenting these moments in time. I like to think about the press releases when it comes to funding announcements as being our corporate communication strategy. Put in the stories or the information that you really want told in your own voice as your point of truth. But then from a media relations standpoint, reporters have a different goal themselves and they have a different prerogative to how they're going to be writing stories and different things that they are interested in. And I think that the magic from media relations announcements comes from the pitch And it also comes from the interview opportunities um, if and when you have them. And so by separating them, you're able to, in my opinion, build a far more robust and in-depth narrative that will resonate with as many audiences as possible. And I often find that sometimes we don't 
we don't separate the two and we just kind of slap everything into a press release and think that's where all media is going to come from. But that gives you a very basic and a very generic announcement. It actually requires a lot more work than I think a lot of executives give it credit. So I do a lot of educating on those two aspects of building out any corporate announcement. The other thing I'll quickly add is I also like to think of a funding announcement or indeed any announcement such as your IPO or the announcement of a new product or business launch. That is a moment in time, but the most important thing is your next announcement. When we're talking about those breadcrumbs, you should always be thinking about, okay, so here's what I'm talking about today. But what am I seeding within this so that my next announcement or my next public launch or statement is a proof point and it shows that I deliver on what I said I was going to do when I might have announced my series A, B or C. So being that thoughtful every time you go out to the media or create a corporate communication statement is absolutely critical to building long-term success. Nikki, I could not agree more. I feel like too often, regardless of the type of announcement, is that companies will treat the press release as the jumping off point to start to build a foundation. And to us, that's backwards. If you're going to announce a new data analytics product and it's your first data analytics product, for 90 days prior, you should be seeding thought leadership in interviews about data analytics so that when you make that announcement, people go, ah, that makes sense. They've been talking about this for three months. Versus all of a sudden you make this data analytics and they're like, what? Where'd this come from? It really needs to be reverse engineered. But to your point, not enough companies think in advance of what are we doing next and how do we start building momentum and seeding that messaging so that it all makes sense when it happens. You have to have a reason to be there. And a lot of times we talk about, I want to be authentic and authentic to myself, authentic to my brand, authentic to the company. But what does that authenticity actually mean? It means that you have a reason to talk about what you're talking about. You have a track record. You have been active in those conversations. And so when the time comes that you want to make an announcement, like you said, on a new product uh, or a, a new sort of vertical that you might be going after, The media, but indeed any other stakeholder, including potential customers or potential partners, are going to look at what you're saying and they're going to have trust in what you're saying and they're going to more rapidly agree to listen to you, which at the end of the day is what we're hoping to achieve from having a communication strategy in the first place. We've talked a little bit about managing expectations with the CEO and what they want to get out of an announcement. What does the VC care about the most? When you think of Insight Partners, they have you, number one, running point, who is obviously the go-between and can provide recommendations and expectation setting. But what do they want out of an announcement? Are they looking for coverage? Are they looking for social chatter? What's that end goal? We are really focused on amazing software, and we are fiercely passionate about partnering with our portfolio companies. So for us, the most important thing out of a funding announcement is that our portfolio company is the hero and has the opportunity to shine. And so when we work with portfolio companies, there's a little bit of a formula that we see in funding announcements, but they follow kind of dollar amount notable investor and use of proceeds. And we can go into the others. But if I think about notable investor, it's not who is inside. 
yes, we're one of the largest global software investors in the world, but that's not relevant. It should be, why is Insight investing in your business? So as I mentioned, Insight's known as a scale-up investor. So we don't invest in ideas. We invest in companies that have product market fit and are really ready to scale up and take off. And so that's what media recognize us for. So let's weave that into the story so it makes sense to this portfolio company. A lot of times, entrepreneurs might choose to just take money for money's sake. Whereas when they work with Insight, they get a real partner. And we just want to make sure that they're as supported as possible when it comes to a funding announcement. I want to back up a little bit and talk more about the role of a CMO. When do you suggest that a scale-up company should hire their, their first CMO? What are some indicators? What we see is that there are kind of two different types of, uh, of companies and startups. There are ones that grow up through the real engineering and product rank, and, and sometimes they are later in bringing on a CMO, or there might be a business that has been developed with a real sales-first and marketing brand-first approach. So they'll often have a marketing leader in the role. I think that marketing and communications is absolutely critical for any business as it's growing up. The sophistication of your marketing organization will definitely grow over time, but it's really important to have someone who is thinking about how is our brand being developed? How are we being perceived in the market? Are we connecting with the right stakeholders? Are we talking to analysts if it's necessary to us? Do we have a demand gen function? So there are about 9 million different things that CMOs or marketing heads have to be thinking about at any one time. And the same thing goes for a company once they've entered that scale-up stage or indeed earlier on for a lot of really smart companies. I think marketing has gone through a bit of a tough period. It's had a bit of a shit go, as we say in Australia. And, you know, we've seen it twist back and forth and, and it's kind of gone from the heydays of Mad Men through to everything was about brand and, and persona. And then we shifted into a real growth mindset. And so the new marketer was a data scientist. Now we're in this new frontier where it's really purpose-driven. So we've kind of been all over the shop, but it's more critical than ever before that you have strong marketing leadership if you're developing a business that ties together both brand and performance marketing. And I think that companies that are doing this earlier, more thoughtfully and doing it well, they're the ones that we're seeing going to be category creators and category kings going forward. One nice byproduct of the pandemic was really shining a light on brand is when the world overnight went digital only, all things considered equal, the SaaS companies that already had a strong brand were the ones that won. And it forced so many companies who had over-indexed on growth and demand and or in-person events to all of a sudden look in the mirror and say, shit, this isn't good. Like what our brand says about us isn't good. We don't make people feel the way they need to feel. And those that had a strong brand won and it, it shined this, in my opinion, overdue light back on the importance of brand. And there's been a, an interesting conversation too happening here in the States around even the title of the CMO and really chopping off the ING of the marketing and really owning that chief market officer because you don't, your CFO isn't the chief financing officer. 
and it's not the chief technology officer. It's the ing focuses too much on the the tactics and the doing when really the CMO is the owner of the market. And I hope to see that continue to change. And what I love about your definition of CMO is that you you led with they are the leaders of the brand and perception and you didn't lead with leads because that is I think the the false mindset that too many CEOs have about what their marketing leader should be as a driver of leads. And that's part of it. But there has to be a world where demand and brand are equally important and live together because we all know if you take away that brand function, all the demand suffers. So they have to coexist and have to have equal investment. And to me, demand gen marketing and having a performance-driven website, email campaigns, nurture strategies, social media engine, PR, they're all tactics that have to fall underneath this, this category of market. And I like your concept there because at the end of the day, it again goes back to it is a business goal focused division of the organization. It's not just nice and fluffy. It is, this is the market that we need to go after. These are the growth goals of the business. And then here are all of the different marketing tactics that I'm going to deploy as a CMO to allow us to get there. When I was starting my career, I was never in marketing. I was, I was always in innovation. I was always bringing nascent technologies to life. And that involved so much marketing. It was translating nerd to human. And so as my career progressed and I kind of kept getting pushed into these marketing teams or these communications teams, I was quite hesitant to it because back then I thought marketing had a marketing problem. I was like, no, you know what? I'm a business person. I'm thinking about the growth goals of the business. And then it dawned on me that what? A CMO is actually just a business leader with a propensity for marketing. And that is what I was building in my career. And I think if we kind of shift this idea that we shifted away from just focusing on the nitty gritty tactics and we go to, okay, here's the business, here's what we're building, here's the market that we're chasing, which evolves over time. And then the CMO's role is to identify, define, and capture that, and then leverage tactics to be able to be successful. I love that. I literally just wrote that down that the CMO is a business leader with a propensity for marketing. I also believe you said marketing has a marketing problem. I also think PR has a perception problem. That's sort of my new pillar that I talk about a lot in that there is still this idea that PR equals press release. And I have you know, so many clients or prospects will say, well, Lindsay, we've tried PR in the past and didn't do anything. And so then when I back down what they tried and what do they mean do, they distribute a press release over a wire service. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're still here. And it drives me absolutely nuts. But it's so helpful to be working with a client when we're going through this funding process to work with a, a VC like Insight Partners who has a Nikki. Because oftentimes, you know, we recommend a strategy and we do 15, 20 funding announcements a year. Like we do this a lot. But sometimes it's just, the client needs to hear it from someone else saying the same thing for it to stick. And luckily, which is why we're having this conversation, Nikki, you, your philosophies, our philosophies and agencies match. And so throughout every step of the way, you're, you back up what our recommendations are, which has been key for us. So if you guys have an investor that has someone who can support you with marketing on that side, it will help all parties when it comes to these announcements. 
I think that's something which is the value of having an investor and having a friend in your corner. And when I think about the some of the companies, software companies that I grew up in and through Series C through to IPO, I didn't really have those types of investors that were able to be checks and balances. And, and Insight just has a no bullshit policy. Uh, we've seen and done it all. Over 25 years of software, you know, Series A through to IPO, we have seen a lot and we have a lot of data, we have a lot of benchmarks, and we have a lot of gut, and we we know the best way to approach things. Building a business is art, not a science. As much as we can develop a lot of data-driven approaches and we can leverage a lot of benchmarks, it really needs to be nuanced to the organization. And so that's why we like to just bring in others who are able to provide advice, provide background, provide sanity checks, and then also has the experience that not everything works. And especially when it comes to media relations, like, and I I like your point on public PR and media relations, because to me, I actually think they're slightly different. PR is how your brand is talked about when you're not in the room. And that can include your internal communications, your stakeholder relations, your analyst relations, your media relations. But when we're dealing in all of these different spaces of the PR realm, we're dealing with people. So a good PR firm is like a sales team that's selling stories. You don't always land every deal that you're going after in a sales capacity. And the same thing is true for media relations. But you need to have a team that has seen it all and done it all so that you're able to pivot or that you're able to identify, you know what, actually, this just really isn't resonating. Why not? What do I need to uncover to make sure that this story that we really want to come out because it's it's really important for our business is able to have find a home in the right conversation? And it's not always just putting out a press release. There's a lot of other strategies that can go into building a PR announcement. Preach, Nikki, preach. I love it. I have a couple questions here to bring us home. What do you wish that more CEOs understood about their institutional investors? You know, we have wonderful CEOs within our portfolio and we have really, really strong relationships. I think for a lot of CEOs who are maybe going out to fundraise, I think it's really important to get to know who your investor is, get to know the support structures around them. For example, when you work with Insight, like I said, you get an 80-person on-site army that is able to come in and help you succeed. But not only that, you get a several thousand-person executive network that you're able to tap. So identify what's important to you. Find an investor. So it might be having access to all of that, or maybe it's not. Maybe you just want to check and to be left on your own. But identify what's important to you interview and get to know the investors and then leverage what you need. It's really, really lonely as a CEO to be building a business. At the end of the day, you might have a great C-suite working alongside you, but you're the person in charge and that can be really tough. And so I think it's, it's important to ask for support, to seek out the support from your VCs and to feel like you can. And it is hard. And any founder that tells you it's just this Cinderella story is either an anomaly or lying. Most founders that I know hit some really, really dark days and reach points of almost giving up. And it's all consuming all the time. And it is really, really hard. And I, I love the advice of making sure that you are picking the right investor and asking the questions and getting to know them because this is your 
business, which as a founder is your livelihood. So that really does matter outside of the check itself. And you might be with an investor for a really long time. So we invest in series A or B companies and we're with them all the way through to when they go public. And we absolutely love that because the partnership is incredibly valuable and important to us. But sometimes if I think of my past experience, it's not always a perfect marriage and then you're stuck. Absolutely. Well, Nikki, as we end every episode, I'm going to ask you, do you have a favorite or signature toast to send us out? I don't. (laughs) We say cheers. We can go with cheers. There's a reason that everyone says it uh, across continents is because it sticks. So cheers. I will drink to that. Cheers to you. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks again to Nikki for joining me on SAS Half Full. I wrote down so many quotable quotes from this interview around the role of the marketer and PR. Hope you guys had some actionable takeaways. She was joining me for a drink, which is awesome. Nikki was having the Citrus Paradise Kit from our friends over at Shaker and Spoon. So if you would like your own cocktail kit, either for yourself or as a gift for someone else, head on over to shakerandspoon.com forward slash half full and you get 10 bucks off your first box at checkout as always guys really appreciate the listen and until next time bottoms up